0: Hi and welcome to today's Skylark Church Sunday Online. Whether you are tuning in as part of the local church family or from further afield, the Skylark International family, or even further afield than that, you are welcome. Thank you for joining us today. I'll be back at the end with the usual notices, but I have the great pleasure first of introducing today's speaker. She is one of my brilliant friends and is an influential mentor in my life. Her and her husband, Rick, gave up life in Australia in 1996 to come over to Chelmsford to invest everything they have, their vision, their passion, their energy into the kingdom. We now lead the church that they founded. We lead the network that they founded. Bev, we cannot wait to hear what you're going to bring to us today. You are exceptional at opening up the word of God and making it accessible to everyone. So, everyone... Please open your hearts and ears to Bev Murrell. Morning Skylark Church.
1: Welcome to my home. It's lovely to be in yours. And I want to talk today about the new normal. <clears throat> I'm sure like me, you've heard some of the same words being repeated again and again in the last three months since the pandemic hit. And there was like unprecedented and strange and limbo. And you've heard people talking about the new normal as well, which is what we'll be in when we're not here anymore. All in all, every one of us is in a position of adjustment and change, and we wonder how long it will last, and we also wonder what our lives in our homes and our jobs will even look like when it's done. And that isn't even taking into account the places where people live on the margins of society, and life is even tougher, because none of us really know what normal is for the rest of us. And truly, when we use the word normal, it's just our attempt to make sense of what's happening in our lives in a place that we can be okay, even if that's not always great. But truly, normal changes all the time. It changes when your kids get teeth and you don't get any sleep for a long time, and sleeplessness becomes the new normal, even though you hate it. <coughs> normal happens when you. All your kids have gone to school and uh, you're the parent that stays at home and suddenly you're trying to work out how to occupy your day or when you start a new job after not having worked for a while or not having done that kind of work or when you suddenly find yourself single or when you move to a new country and you have to negotiate all the culture shocks that you didn't expect. The thing that makes this season different is that everyone's normal has disappeared at the same time right across the world. So usually it's just you or me or them, but not all of us all at once. And the truth is, normal has to change. If it wasn't allowed to change, we'd still be living in caves and grass huts. We'd be making music by banging sticks on rocks. But normal was never meant to be static. Normal moves like we do, which is why moving from one normal to another is something that we have to work hard not to be afraid of. And remember that we've done it before and we did it with success. I was thinking about how Jesus went to gather his disciples in the land that he was born into. He'd been baptised by John the Baptist and then he went off into the wilderness camping for 40 days. Um, Probably didn't have a blow-up air mattress or anything like that. Didn't bring along a picnic basket and, and... Finally, he went there to establish really what his values were and what he was here for. And when he leaves there, he goes and starts to draw a team around him. And he doesn't go to the theology colleges. Well, there's nothing wrong with theology colleges, and I work in one myself. But he goes to the ordinary people, the people that other people wouldn't have looked twice at. And he begins to draw them as his first followers. Now, that's not really normal. It wasn't normal for them. And it wasn't normal for the surrounding people, but yet it was what Jesus did. And everything changed from that point. Normal shifted. And they weren't the only totally unfit ones that he chose. Now, there were other people as well. He talked to women. That wasn't normal. That was a big no-no at the time. And actually, women were the first people to realise that he'd risen from the dead. And he told them to go and preach to everybody else that he was alive. And that wasn't normal. And he talked to people who had severe mental health issues and people that were looked down on by other people and that wasn't normal either but it changed everything i particularly love a story about a guy called zacchaeus now zacchaeus had three strikes against him the first was that he was a tax collector and he worked for the romans and that wasn't good the second was that he was a jew working for the romans and he used his position to be able to rip off his own people, he cheated them. And that was pretty bad, that was two strikes. But the third strike was that he was really short. And, you know, that was a big strike against him. And I know by sheer statistics that some of you listening to this are short. Some of you will even be as short as me, which is five foot and half an inch or 153 centimetres. that can be irritating at times. And even though you fit very easily into airline seats, people love having a joke at your expense, like, hey, how's the weather down there? And are you standing in a hole? I know, hysterical, right? I think they need to get new joke writers. But if you're a short person, you understand that there are issues. Now, I was the shortest person in my family. My dad was the tallest person in his family, He in our family. He was five foot four, and the rest of the family, the other three, fitted in between that. What they say about short people is generally pretty true. My dad was the short, a short person, probably shorter than most of his mates, but he was the president of every club he belonged to, and he was the, the president of the Chamber of Commerce. Like Zacchaeus, you know, who was the chief of tax collectors in Jericho, not just art tax collector. And so he wore that role very strongly, even though he probably had to work pretty hard at trying not to hear the jokes that people said behind his back about him being short or the horrible things that they had to say. And so I just want us to have a look at him. And that is in uh, Luke... Chapter 19 and verse 1. I want, I want to read his story. Luke 19 and verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through town. A man there named Zacchaeus, a ruler among tax collectors, was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he couldn't because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus who was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to that spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down at once. I must stay in your home today. So Zacchaeus came down at once, happy to welcome Jesus. Everyone who saw this grumbled, saying, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone, I repay them four times as much. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this household because he too is a son of Abraham, which means he's a Jew, he belongs to Israel. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Now, What that means is that Zach's normal had changed in the blink of an eye. Who knows how he ended up to be one of the most hated people in in Israel? Maybe the constant humiliations of never being as big as his mates began to take its toll. And that was compounded with his obvious gift with money because he was a great accountant. Maybe because of how it all just got worse and worse as he rose to become that head tax collector, he justified cheating his own people because they'd hurt his heart so much. And that often happens with people. We justify what we do wrong because wrong's been done to us. And then a new normal took place. Everybody wanted to see this guy, Jesus. And Zacchaeus knew from bitter experience that Jesus probably wouldn't even make so much as eye contact with him because he was so disgusting. He wouldn't be willing to chat with him. But that wasn't the case. So Zacchaeus had climbed the tree to be able to look, and then Jesus makes a point of stopping at that tree. He knows where he is. He knows his address. And he comes and he looks up at Zacchaeus and he says, hey, Zac, dinner at yours tonight, okay? Well, i tell you what, Zac hadn't got to the place that he'd got by being shy. You know, he wasn't like, who, me? Oh, no, you don't mean me, do you? He's like, yeah, man, he's down that tree as quick as he possibly can because the celebrity rabbi is talking to him and then yeah, maybe he links his arm with Jesus I don't know but he, he goes along and Jesus is talking to him and the people in the crowd are mad and they're not mad at Zacchaeus they're mad at Jesus because they're like what's he doing hanging out with sinners like that and what Jesus was actually doing it was bringing to those people a new normal which is that when Jesus makes the choice of walking alongside you, you can't make him look bad. He makes you look good. It's a different normal. Because the truth of it is, none of us is good enough for Jesus. Not even the old lady next door who wouldn't hurt a fly. She's probably got issues that she hopes nobody ever finds out about. Jesus doesn't look bad for hanging out with people that everyone else looks down on and gossips about. But those people who other people despise change when they hang out with Jesus. How do I know that? Because that's what happened to me. A new normal came to my life and happened to Zach as as well. And so as soon as he gets in stride with Jesus, as soon as he's walking next to him, he understands that normal has to change for him and that there are more important things than being rich or being short and feeling stupid about it. And when somebody comes alongside Jesus and they get it, they change. So Zacchaeus now is talking about giving away half of his enormous wealth and also repaying people who he's cheated four times as much. And something that's really significant about this is the fact that Jesus had had an encounter with another really rich guy in the previous chapter, a guy who was rich all of his own volition. He hadn't done it by by cheating people. Not only that, he was a really good guy. He he was a guy who always did all the right things, but he didn't quite feel right in himself. He feels like there's just something wrong with him. And so he comes up to Jesus and he says, how, how can I know for sure that I'm going to get to heaven? And Jesus says, well, good start is to follow the commandments. Don't cheat. Don't lie. Don't commit adultery. He's like, all of that, I'm already doing all that. And then Jesus looks at him and he thinks to himself, you know what, it isn't really about the money because it doesn't really matter whether you're rich or whether you're not rich, But, but the money is what's holding you back. Sometimes our title holds us back, sometimes our reputation, sometimes our street cred, sometimes our money, sometimes our comfort, sometimes our family, And so Jesus wasn't saying, well, you shouldn't be rich. Jesus was saying, that's the thing that's stopping you. And so he says, you've done all the right things. You live a good life. That's really great. How about you sell everything you've got, give away all your money, and then you can come and follow me. That would be great. Follow me. And the Bible says that that guy was really, really sad, really desperately sad. And the reason was because he was really, really rich. And even though he wanted to be sure that he was getting to heaven and he felt like there was something holding him back, when Jesus put his finger on the thing that was holding him back, the guy's like, nah, nah, that's that's too much. Because it wasn't about the money. It was about the, the Lord saying to him, okay, I just don't want anything to stand between you and me. Now both of these guys were really rich and one of them was really good. And one of them was really horrible and really hated, and he deserved to be hated because he was cheating his own people and using his position to get to them. And both of them had the opportunity to follow Jesus. Both of them had the opportunity to give everything away. So what that meant was both of them had the opportunity of a new normal of a change in the way that they lived their lives so that they could relate with Jesus in a way that could help them live with themselves and have a peace in their lives that they hadn't had up to now. And rich guy, he didn't have that even though he was good. And the tax collector didn't have it either. But in the end, it wasn't about how much money they had, but about whether when they were faced with a new normal, they could find a way to trust God and see him make all the difference for them. I've been listening to this really awesome song lately. It's called Burn the Ships by a group called um, For King and Country. And um, Burn the Ships is, is a really strong song. It's, it, it's about going for a new normal. It's about when everything changes. You should listen to it it's a really cool song about when everything changes and you know there's uh the past history about burning the ships i was looking up what does burning the ships really mean and it was something that happened occasionally when explorers or military or um, for whatever reason groups of people went on a ship to somewhere else and in order to make sure they never went back to what used to be. The commander often would give the command to burn the ships. So it is said that Cortez did that when they arrived in Mexico and um, they were going to have a look and see what the Aztecs were doing and make a new land there. Cortez ordered that the ships be burned. Um, there's other explorers as well. Alexandria, um, Alexander the Great, He also ordered that the ships be burned at a particular point when his soldiers had gone somewhere and it looked like it was going to be really tough. And Alexander the Great ordered that the ships be burned so they couldn't get back. I know if you've heard about the famous mutiny on the bounty and Captain Bly was such a wicked, wicked captain. And so the crew mutinied and they landed on an island called Pitcairn Island and they wanted to make sure that... um, captain didn't have any way of getting back and that they didn't and so they burned the ships and so burning the ships is about you know what my old normal was okay some of it wasn't great some of it was but I know that there's a new normal coming none of us can predict what that is none of us can say it's going to look like this or it's going to look like that and I'm sure there's going to be uncomfortable parts about it the truth of it is normal isn't static we change comes all the time and the fact that right now change is coming to all of us around the world is something that we need to look at and say we're going to do everything that we can to make the new normal a good normal and you know the best way to do that is to trust god is to commit your new normal to the Lord. There's a scripture in Proverbs chapter 3 and it's verses 5 and 6 and it's a scripture that I live my life by and it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In everything you do, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. And I know it's so easy for me to lean on my own understanding. I read stuff and I've remember stuff I've experienced situations I listen to what other people say and it all makes sense and I'm like yeah yeah probably oh gosh but actually I've learned through living by that scripture I'm not going to lean on my own understanding or by or on yours either or on what I read in the papers or what I hear other people say or what my experience says I'm going to say God I don't know what's coming next but I do know that you love me I do know that you walk with me at every level, that you walk together with me, that even though there's some people who would never walk with me, some people who think I'm pretty horrible or I'm not worth much, but you, you walk with me, Lord, and as I get into stride with you, my fears go, and the holding on to that thing which seemed to me to be so important, that I I can let that go as well. It's not that you're taking those things from me. It's just that I can let go the place that that's had in my life which has stopped me trusting you. So I want to encourage you to give that a go, to give it a go, to say to the Lord about the things you're worried about. Maybe try every morning for a month or every evening for a month. Lord, these are the things I'm worried about. This is my pressure. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to get in stride with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to know that the new normal, yep, it might be uncomfortable in some places. It might even be difficult in some places. But it's going to be great because you're going to walk with me in it and you're leading me into that. And I think that as every one of us does that, we're going to see, yeah, we're going to see peace for a start. See, both Zach And the rich young ruler had a choice to begin a new normal and to walk with Jesus. And we would all think that it would be the good guy who would do it. He was the obvious guy that would do it. And the bad guy, probably not. But, see, we're all faced with walking into the new normal with Jesus. And our past history isn't going to dictate whether we're going to go for it or not. How good you are, how bad you are, how good you've been or how bad you've been, what people think of you, whether they value you or whether they don't, none of that has got the power to dictate how we go into the new normal. What can really dictate that with the most success and the most good effect is the fact that we get into stride with Jesus, that when he he looks at us because he has our address, He's not lost you. I mean, he even found Zacchaeus up that tree. He stopped at the right tree and he looks up at Zacchaeus and he says, "Your place for dinner tonight, yeah?" He he knows where you live, and he's saying, "Get to stride with me. It will be different. Yep, it will be different. But the new normal is going to be really okay if you walk it with me." So I'm going to pray for us now and ask God to reveal himself to you in an even greater way. You might know him already, you might not, I don't know. But I do know this, that God doesn't value anybody more than anybody else. The people who are always in church, or the people who've never been to church, the people who lived a good life, or the people who've done it really tough, he loves them equally. And that's something that, for me, has been one of the most amazing things that I could have ever possibly understood. So I'm gonna pray for you to get that as well. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these people who are listening here. I thank you, Lord, that's a mixed group made up of people who know you well and people who know you a bit and people who sometimes forget about you and people who've never known you at all. And Lord, I thank you that your love is equal over every single one of us and you know our address. Even if we feel like we're up a tree and nobody even knows we're there, you know. Even if we feel like we're down in the worst pit possible, you know. And, Lord, you stop and you look right at us and you say, you can come and join me if you like. We can walk together. You're not going to make me look bad. I'm going to make you look good because I poured out my life for you. I was sacrificed on the cross for you. I rose again from the dead so that you can rise again too. So Lord, I pray that you would give us just such an understanding, not only of who you are, but of who we are, and that you will help us get into stride with you. And Lord, that our lives will be changed and that we can walk into whatever the new normal will be, knowing that it's gonna be okay. Because we trust you. You're the one that we love. Well, you're the one that loves us and we're learning to love you. So I pray an outpouring of your spirit on every one of us, Lord God, that we will not be so afraid of what normal looks like, that we won't know what it is to get rid of those fears and walk in you. In Jesus' name, amen. See you later, guys.
0: It's now time for me to bring those updates. So keep your hands away from the phone. Don't turn the laptop off. I haven't finished yet. Some of these are gonna be amazing. The first one is next week, Sunday the 24th of May. Not only is it special because it might just be my birthday, but because it is the big Skylark Church quiz night in. Yes! The Church Life team have been working really hard and will be continuing to work this week to put together an incredible quiz. It's gonna be Sunday the 24th at 8.15. Bring drinks, bring nibbles, bring that competitive edge. Our Simses are quite competitive and we think we're probably going to win. Come on, Simses, but Maybe you wanna challenge us, I'm sure you do. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I'll see you online next Sunday night at 8.15. Links to get onto it will be available on social media. They'll be available in emails as well in the coming weeks. So you'll find lots of opportunity. But can I stress, please be on time because if you come late, you might not be able to know how the quiz is working and how to join in. 8.15 next week. Brilliant. Thank you very much. The next thing is just to encourage you that the stuff that we're putting out as a church, the sound bites, the Sundays online and other stuff, is really reaching all around the world. And this week, we got some encouragement from Bangladesh to say thank you for what you're putting out. It's really encouraging us and making a difference. Isn't that cool? As a church, we have continued to look after people, not only in our church family, but out in the community. And that's awesome because that's what we're called to do we're called to love indiscriminately as Jesus loves and so we have sent care and food packages into the community and we've also been able to give food club card vouchers to people in the church thousands of pounds worth actually so thank you for your generosity in that it's totally amazing one more from me is that tonight at seven o'clock we have our worship and prayer evening again we have it every fortnight and it's really powerful 7pm join us to pray, to worship, it's lovely to have Zoom set up and to see all the faces of everyone in our church family. Even for that it's worth doing, but for prayer and worship even more so. See you tonight at seven o'clock for that one. The final update today is coming from Sue Gibson who wants to give us a bit more information about the Thy Kingdom Come Prayer Initiative. So I'll sign off now, take care, have a brilliant week and I'll hand over to Sue, see ya.
2: Hi. I'm excited to tell you more about the Thy Kingdom Come Global Prayer that we're going to be getting involved in. It runs for 10 days from the 21st to the 31st of May, from Ascension to Pentecost. And it's an amazing opportunity to pray with millions around the world for a fresh outpouring of Holy Spirit so many will come to know Jesus. So how can you get involved? First of all, choose five people to pray for and look for ways to care for them and to show the love of God to them. And when you go on your daily exercise during that 10 days or you're travelling backwards and forwards to work, pray for your five people and also pray for your streets, pray for your community and your nation. And you can do this on your own or with your family and from monday we'll be posting on our facebook pages um, how to sign up to thy kingdom come how to get the app and to access some of the great resources that are on that site and over the 10 days we will be posting uh, prayer points to help you to pray so have fun while you're doing this and be blessed bye
0: so that just about wraps up this sunday online Do take care. From Nicky and I, we love you loads and we'll see you soon. Bye.